Hey babes, Ashley here. I have a kind heart, a potty mouth. It's probably the rap music. And damn it, I miss my friends. But if I can't snuggle them in person, thanks COVID. I thought, why not build community here? So grab a drink, climb in bed, and let's hang out. Wait, is that weird? I'm on a mission to live my life unapologetically, which tends to look a little different every day. But one thing remains the same. It's a guilt-free zone. No shame here, sister. Each episode, we'll tackle real-life shenanigans, and you'll leave laughing, crying, or feeling as lit up as your crazy aunt at Christmas. Ready or not, girl talk. Hey, hey, welcome back to Guilt-Free Girl Talk. I'm your host, Ashley, and I am so excited to be back today. I was bummed to have to miss a week last week, but I live in Texas, and we were not prepared for the winter storm that came through. We um, were without consistent power for five days, and so recording and editing and publishing a podcast just wasn't possible. But I'm back, and I'm excited to wrap up part three of my infertility journey and then next week I'm going to tackle IVF, the process, and our miracle child and then I'm ready to move on and talk about other things. I left off at the end of 2014. We decided that our goal for IVF would be July 2017. In May of 2015, our situation changed as my job changed. This change was unexpected and heartbreaking for me and left a lot of questions for what my future should look like. Since Shay and I were married, I had worked positions that would be easy to leave if I became pregnant or was a nanny with the hopes I would be able to continue with a pregnancy and child. It was time for me to face the fact that I probably needed to focus on a career since motherhood wasn't looking promising. That was crushing. Little did I know that miracles were in the works. In August of 2015, I was hired by a school district as a 0-3 to home visitor. While getting to know my new co-workers, of course the do-you-have-want-children question came up. This was really the first time in my life that I had just decided to be open and raw. I let them in and let them know that we had tried multiple times over multiple years and that we were saving for IVF. One of my coworkers let me know that she also had trouble conceiving and that she had seen a specialized nurse in Omaha and recommended that we try her. I was hesitant. We had already been told that IUI was failing and that we should move on to IVF. My coworker was adamant that this nurse was a miracle worker, and after discussing it in more detail, I came to realize that our experience in Iowa maybe hadn't been what we thought it was. With insurance in my new position, we decided it was worth a consultation. In October 2015, we went to a consultation. We left this consultation both furious and hopeful. We found out that the doctor in Iowa was lazy and did not cover all of his bases. Our new plan of care was to try IUI two more times. The nurse recommended three, but we only had two cycles before Shay would leave for another deployment. The difference in these two attempts was significant. Instead of just taking an ovulation stimulant and counting on at-home ovulation tests to determine our procedure, she would follow my ovulation via sonogram. I would take a stimulant and she would monitor me closely. Then, when my follicles were large enough, we would take a trigger shot to release the eggs and then do the procedure. This was all music to our ears. We weren't hopeful that it would work. That sounds negative, but it's honest. However, we were relieved to know that we would see that I was ovulating every month. It was the first time someone had actually tracked my cycle and we were hopeful it would give us answers or at least give us confidence going into IVF that my body was working properly. On top of all of this, she made me redo all of my blood work and do another HSG. My blood work came back that my thyroid levels were off. 
I was furious. I had asked so many doctors in the past year, including my Iowa doctor, to retest my thyroid levels because I knew that it was off. Everyone ignored me. I was right and started medicine. My HSG was reviewed and told that it was normal. And I had been told that the very first doctor's appointment, so I was expecting that. In December 2015, we did our fourth IUI. Remember above when I said that we weren't hopeful? Turns out that after watching my body react appropriately and then ovulate normally, we became hopeful. We were incredibly upset when this cycle was another failed attempt. In January 2016, we did our fifth and final IUI. My cycle was normal and it was another failure. In February 2016, Shay deployed and I gave up. I absolutely, 100%, I cannot handle another failure, gave up. I was angry. Oh my gosh, I was so angry. I was angry at the doctors, angry at myself, angry at Shay, and embarrassingly the most angry with God. I quit going to church and I quit praying. I was done. I will forever be grateful to my friends and co-workers who carried me through this time because I know I was not easy to be around. I remember one desperate night crying myself to sleep and reaching out to my friends. Please pray for me. I can't pray for me. I don't trust God. Please pray for me. Of course they did. After our fifth IUI failure, the nurse that we had been seeing recommended that we see the reproductive endocrinologist in their hospital. She was supposedly the best of the best, and she was confident that she could help us. I didn't want to go. With Shay's urging, I scheduled the appointment. In February 2016, the morning I was supposed to go, I was able to FaceTime with Shay, and I was so short-tempered. I felt like it was a waste of my time, and I just knew what she was going to say. It's unexplained infertility. IVF is your option. I also knew that we weren't in a place to do that yet. Shay told me just to go, and that if I want to give up for a while, I could. At least we would have her information. February 15th, 2016, my life changed. The appointment with the specialist did not go as expected. She wasn't just another doctor, and she didn't just say the same old thing. She walked into the office, dropped my file on her desk, and announced, I know what the problem is. I stopped breathing. After four and a half years, someone had an answer. I had been saying this is what I wanted the entire time, but when the moment happened, I was scared shitless. She sat down and told me that I had what was called a hydrosalpinx in both fallopian tubes. She explained that this meant that my tubes were blocked and filling with toxic fluid when the tubes would overflow with the fluid it dumped into my uterus. She explained that my eggs and Shay's sperm had never been in contact. That there was no way my egg could make its way to my uterus. Every single month of heartache was in vain. Every penny we paid was a waste. She informed me that this should have been found three and a half years ago when I had my first HSG and again months before when I had my second HSG, which is what she read in my file. Cue white hot anger. Then she dropped a serious bomb on me. The only cure for this would be to remove my fallopian tubes. Remove them. This shook me to my core. This shattered my dreams. This information was too much to handle on my own. She said we could leave the tubes and try IVF, but that it wouldn't be wise because when the tubes overflowed into my uterus, the toxic fluid would kill the embryo, causing a miscarriage. She gave me a folder full of information on surgery and IVF and then told me to talk to my husband and call her. Remove my tubes and with them, remove any possibility of ever naturally conceiving a child. I left the office numb. I sat in the hallway and FaceTimed Shay, waking him in the middle of the night, 
and I bawled my eyes out. It didn't take long for me to make my decision. I was having my tubes removed. Three weeks and three days after that appointment, I went into surgery. Making that decision was easy. It was my only option to become a mother, and I wanted nothing more than that. The fallout of that decision was not easy. I never felt more like a failure or less like a woman. Guilt cut me in half. After four and a half years and thousands of dollars, it was my fault. It is incredibly hard to have a healthy relationship when you have zero self-confidence. Having a healthy long-distance relationship while juggling a full-time job, life-altering surgery, and zero self-confidence is nearly impossible. To say our marriage struggled is an understatement. Ouch, it was rough. I bounced back and forth between being angry that Shay wasn't here to support me, that after years of treatment, I had to again put my body through hell while he chilled on a beach, and feeling insane amounts of guilt and telling myself that he deserved someone who wasn't broken. It was not a good spring. I don't write this because I enjoy reliving the pain. I don't write this because I'm comfortable welcoming you into my heartbreak or the challenges that accompanied it. I write this because this is a rare outcome. I saw five doctors before my condition was noticed. This was all caused because of an appendix surgery that I had when I was 18 years old. I write this because I want you to stop and think of this before you tell someone to relax and it will happen, or stop trying and it will happen. I realize that you're trying to be helpful, but to be blunt, you aren't. No amount of stopping trying or being patient would have ever resulted in a child for Shay and I. Infertility is a medical condition. Treat it as such. If you want to give advice or be supportive to someone who is struggling, encourage them to advocate for themselves. Encourage them to do what is best for them. Encourage them that they are loved and they are worthy no matter how they feel and pray for them. Woof. I expected to be angry when I read this. I expected for it to bring back up that curiosity and me for being failed by so many professionals um but I didn't expect to cry so sorry I was super blessed because the new job that I had gave me insurance that allowed me to be seen at the hospital I was seen at it did not cover infertility so I still paid for all the fertility stuff out of pocket but the consultation was covered it still makes me furious I will forever be furious that infertility isn't covered more broadly by insurance the little excerpt at the end was incredibly important for me to write because when you're walking through infertility, everybody wants to be helpful, but nobody says something helpful. I used to feel guilty about possibly rubbing somebody the wrong way when saying that they shouldn't give advice. And now looking back, I am worth more than worrying how somebody else feels when they insult me. So I just really want to encourage you to think before you speak and probably just don't offer advice to somebody who's infertile if you've never walked through it. And something that I really, really, really wish that I had heard and that I needed to hear when I was going through this for so many years was that it's okay if I didn't have a kid because 
my whole life, every single decision I made was made through the lens of becoming a mother. And I truly had no idea what I would do. I still can't fathom what my life would have been like without having a child. And everybody's expectation is to have a child. So that's obnoxious, I understand, to people who don't want kids and people just won't accept that maybe some women don't want children. But to desperately want it to my core and not be able to have it made it sting so much when it was just everybody's expectation. And one of the very best things that anybody ever said to me in my entire life was my friend Antonia who said, I don't know what God has in store for you, but if it isn't to become a mother, I cannot even imagine the great things you'll do. And it was so empowering for me to hear that somebody saw me on the other side of infertility and that somebody saw me without that lens and that somebody could say, hey, you'll make a damn good mom if that's what happens, but if not, God must have a brilliant plan for you. And it was just really helpful. So if you know somebody that needs encouragement, those words really spoke to me and were really helpful for me. As I said, next week will be IVF. I'm going to go through and just kind of put together, because I have multiple IVF posts, um, and just do one episode of us walking through IVF and kind of how that looked for us. I know that that looks differently for a lot of different people, but if you are somebody who came across this and are considering IVF or have specific questions, I would love for you to ask them so that I can answer them either on the podcast or if you would rather I not answer them on the podcast, I'm happy to answer them in my DMs. Um, But you can reach me at inspired by Ashley and fun fact my friend Miranda was like um you spell your name weird maybe you should tell people so my name is spelled a-s-h-l-i so it's inspired by Ashley with an i um so if you want to reach out I'd love to be friends okay see you next week Thank you. I know you could choose anyone to listen to, and I appreciate that you chose me. If this podcast made you laugh, hit you in the feels, or inspired you to live your best life, please do me a favor and share it. Take a quick screenshot, share it on social, and tag me. I'd love to give you a heartfelt thank you and start building a bestie community in real life. Cannot wait for more Girl Talk. Chat soon.